Robert wants to know the difference between people that are selling a business versus people that are selling real estate. Why is one so secretive while the other seems to be willing to share information more freely? Let's take a look. I'm David C. Barnett, and you're tuned in to Small Business and Dealmaking, the podcast, YouTube channel, and blog where I talk about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium-sized businesses while controlling risk. So if you're looking to take control of your future through buying a business one day, or if you already own a business and you're looking to grow or exit, you've come to the right place. I talk about interesting things, I talk to interesting people, and I answer your questions every week right here. So be sure to hit like and be sure to hit subscribe, and let's get to it. Awesome. So I got a question from Robert Schaefer, who is watching the video. Is it really possible to buy a business with 500k of profit? And uh, we'll put a link to that right up here floating on the on top of the screen here somewhere. Um, and so his comment was, Hey, David, can you make a video about the differences between real estate sellers and business sellers? I notice when looking at commercial listings, real estate sellers are very open about how much the building is making and the expenses. Business sellers, on the other hand, make you sign an NDA before seeing any of the numbers. What's the reason for that? This is a great question, uh, Robert, and thank you for asking it. Um, let's let's talk about this because I have experience in the world of business brokerage. Obviously, that's why I run this channel. But uh, at one point in my history, I used to own rental properties too. I had two, three unit buildings and a four unit building, and I can tell you that in my experience in buying those pieces of property, those rental investment properties, um, the information I was given was not all that clear at all. Okay. But let's think about this for a second. If someone is selling a building, they're talking, you're talking about a big asset and anyone who's familiar with rental properties in a given market. So a real estate agent or an investor in a given city, um, if you told them, hey, look at this building, it's got this many two-bedroom apartments, this many three-bedroom apartments, this many bachelors, et cetera, that person's probably going to be able to work out on their own what the income statement of that building looks like because they're going to know what the going rents are in that community. Uh, they're going to be able to estimate that. They're probably going to be pretty good at estimating what the taxes are and, and looking at other expenses. And so when it comes to real estate, it's not really a secretive thing. The information is all floating around out there. When uh, when I say that I, I don't have a lot of experience with people being honest with me is when I looked at commercial uh, rental properties, these small apartment buildings, what I was getting was here are the rents, multiply each one by 12, here's the income of the building, and then here are the expenses. And you know I wouldn't see anything for like, repairs, maintenance, none of that. So the presentations I was being given were always these theoretically perfect operating scenarios for the buildings that I was looking at. And of course, you know, I, I could take that with a grain of salt and put in some of my expenses, you know, an estimate for vacancy, an estimate for maintenance, an estimate for or other things that might go wrong. But I never actually got anyone's tax return, for example, showing exactly what the income and expenses were in their situation for the building. Now, when it comes to businesses, we're talking about an entirely different beast. And here's why. In a business, you could have a very profitably operating business, and it could be producing a cash flow, which 
is worth more than the value of the stuff within the business, the tangible assets, the equipment, the inventory, the furniture, fixtures, et cetera. And this is what makes it different from real estate because in the world of real estate, the cash flow determines the value of the building. There's no extra payment that a buyer would make for goodwill. It's all kind of baked into the methodology that buildings are valued at using a, a cap rate, for example. And so no one's going to be worried that you might look at the income statement of an apartment building and somehow see how profitable it is and rip off their idea because everyone knows how apartment buildings work and everyone knows that you can have your own. It just costs a lot of money to build one. And then you have to wait for the apartments to be full, right? Whereas in the world of business, you could have a really great operating methodology that allows you to be highly profitable. And if everyone knew that, it would invite new competitors into the market. And so one of the fears that a business seller would have is that if they've figured out how to be a very profitable operator, um, they don't want just anyone knowing how profitable they are because it could invite new people to enter the market and start competing with them, which could have a downward pressure on prices and ergo profitability. There's other reasons though, too. When it comes to an apartment building or a commercial property being up for sale, um, the tenants may not be all that concerned, um, especially if it's a bigger property. These things change hands all the time. The tenants have a lease in place whatever deal they have for paying rent or whatever is cemented in that contract. And so if the building changes hands, that's fine, but they're still going to pay the same amount of rent or, or what have you. When it comes to businesses though, we've got many different stakeholder groups who have different relationships with that business. So you've got customers who may have a certain relationship with the business in which they understand who the owner is they have a relationship with that owner maybe, and they've made commitments or made purchases from the business that have a future value. So maybe they're relying upon a warranty or some kind of um, guarantee from that business. If they find out that the business is up for sale, they may suddenly begin to worry that those future promises, those warranties and guarantees are no longer as secure. They might worry that the business is up for sale because it's not doing well, or they may worry that any new owner isn't going to be able to execute as well as the current operators of the business. We've also got other stakeholder groups like suppliers to the business. Suppliers have a certain history with that business. And if it becomes publicly known that the business is up for sale, then they might worry that there's something wrong with the business or that the new owner isn't going to be as good at executing again. They could change the terms of trade credit. They might no longer extend 60-day payment terms to that business. They might want cash on delivery or demand a credit card or just shorten the, deliver, the payment window to 30 days, for example. All of those things have a negative impact on the business. Employees are one of the biggest ones, though. Um, you know, Most employees are trading their time for money, and they would worry that if the business were up for sale, that it could mean some kind of change in their employment. Um, the conditions of work could change, maybe for the worse. Um, the new owner might have family members that could come in and take their jobs. The one thing that employees do not want is uncertainty. We've all heard statistics about the large number of people that simply live paycheck to paycheck. <clears throat> if somebody is worried that one of their paychecks is going to be interrupted for whatever reason, 
it'll give them a reason to go looking for other opportunities. And oftentimes, you know, you hear people say that a business's greatest asset are its employees, people who know how to serve the customers, execute the systems, et cetera, that operate in the business. And so if the best employees decide that they're worried about the future prospects in the company, they always have job prospects amongst the competitors of the business. And so you could actually have some of those employees go away and the value of the business starts to erode because you have to deal with the turnover, right? So Robert, these are all the reasons why an NDA is required when someone is trying to sell a business. Because if it gets out publicly that the business is for sale, the business can be damaged, which makes it very different from an apartment building. And the part of the business that can be damaged is that component that we call goodwill. It's the difference between the value of the cash flow and the value of the tangible assets in the business. In real estate, the whole thing is a tangible asset. It's a building. In business, we've got this ethereal component called the goodwill, which is extremely fragile. Anything that upsets the system of the business, and, and that's what a business is. It's a system where people and capital operate together in a place to produce a cash flow. And any system, if it gets upset in some way, can start to be disrupted and cause profits or cash flow to be reduced. That would ruin the value of the goodwill. So I hope that answers your question. Robert, if, you, if you're really interested in this stuff and you want to learn the ins and outs of buying a business, I would highly recommend that you head over to businessbuyeradvantage.com uh, where you can sign up for uh, my online course, uh, which is called Business Buyer Advantage. And, uh, you know, hundreds of people have done it and it's grown to be almost 14 hours of content now. And um, I would highly recommend you take it. It teaches you how to buy a business, but most importantly, how to control risk as a buyer to make sure that you make a deal that makes sense for you. And with that, I'll say thank you very much. Happy New Year, everyone. It's great to see you all here in 2023. And I'll remind people that these videos are driven off the questions that you asked, just like Robert's asked. And so if there's something that you want to learn about the world of buying, selling, financing, or managing small and medium-sized businesses, please put the comments down below. Or you know, find me over on Twitter, for example. I, I'm active over there at I put my handle up on the screen here, D Barnett Moncton. Um, and I would be uh, more than happy to accept your questions and put them onto the list. This is how we, we generate our video content. And uh, with that, I'll say see you later. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll exit with some words from our channel sponsor. Special thanks go to today's video sponsor, Mark Willis of Lake Growth Financial. Mark helps people better manage their personal wealth and business finances through the bank on yourself insurance strategy. This is something I've done personally and I've gotten lots of positive feedback from people I've worked with over the years. Go to newbankingsolution.com to find a playlist of all the interviews I've done with Mark and to learn more about the advantages of these programs. While there, sign up to arrange a conversation about what this solution might look like for you. So how can you learn more about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium-sized businesses? Easy. Head over to my blog site at davidcbarnett.com. You'll find hundreds of articles and videos all for free. You'll find links to my books and online courses, 
and you can sign up for my email list and get emails covering topics that interest you and be notified of new videos.